Hello, Leah. Hi. Yes, I'm here. Hi. How's everything? Very good. Um, can you hear me okay? I have you on speaker. If not, I, I can try to just do something else. No, no, that's that's fine. It sounds great. Great. Um, yeah. Thanks so um, much for um, taking the time to speak with me today. Yeah, definitely. I wanted to know, um, you know, if you could maybe first, I guess, you know, tell me a little bit more about um, the background behind, you know, uh, the band Turkish Delight and um, and sort of how you guys like came together. Sure, I would love to. Um, my, um, I had wanted to do music as a kid, but I kind of gave it up. It just wasn't really an option. Um, and then I ended up at UMass Amherst and was um, was dating a guy um, who was very, very creative. We were really into the arts and mostly, I would say, like film and music. Um, kind of ended up completely aimless, uh, started graduate school, um, ended up in Boston, <laughs> for better or for worse, in Alston, Alston Brighton. And um, the uh, Dave, who was the drummer of Turkish Light, had started a band with uh, his friend from high school, Daryl, and another friend that they met, um, Carl, the bass player. And anyway, they had auditioned a singer, and she... I think it was mutual. She wasn't really working out. And, you know, I'd had that musical background, but I hadn't really thought or done music in many years. And so they're like, do you want to um, sing for us? And it just kind of clicked. So um, that's how it started. And we were very lucky. We got a lot of really, I would say, big breaks as far as, um, you know, I just think it's very difficult for any band just starting out. So, you know, just random things like our first show, the first band didn't, sh you know, didn't show up. And, um, you know, our name was kind of quirky, Turkish Delight. So um, when we were played on WZBC, one of the, uh, there was a person, a guy who was one of the personalities on WZBC, which is this amazing college radio station in Boston. Um, it's probably one of the best in the country. And there was this guy, he was actually employed at the university. Um, he was a custodian. And his name was Tony. He's and unfortunately he's he's passed on. But anyway, Tony took a liking to us. So I mean, we got these bizarre little breaks that you know were free. You know, we'd get these random you know plugs here and there. You know, and then people liked us a lot. We did everything by hand DIY. Um, and I guess we kind of just got this big following. You know, um, starting out you know really small, and then um, some local labels took some interest in us. A lot of people weren't interested in us because <laughs> we were just very weird um, and different from what was going on, I think, at the time. But, you know, we were able to do a couple, like, mini tours in the U.S., and then the band kind of broke up. So, you know, it was it was really fun, and it's really cool that Ilya and um, people from iHeartNoise um, decided Thor, who was really, who, quote-unquote, discovered us, rediscovered us, um, was able to put out reissue albums on cassette, which was amazing. And, you know, just on like easily on a Twitter feed on it, any other day, there's people still talking about Turkish Slate, which is really all due to all the work um, that Ilya and Thor did. Um, and most recently, um, they got the word out to a, a British label called Reckless Yes, a really small 
literally mom and pop label. They do everything from their kitchen table and they took a liking to us. And like, I would say 99% of the stuff they released is, is new, but we were kind of like a reissue. So they did this beautiful um, double CD set, which you can get at our band camp, Turkish Light Band Camp. But anyway, that's kind of how it started and ended. And it's kind of started up again. So <laughs> 20 years later. That's um, that's really cool, and and I think um, it speaks volumes to um, how far ahead of the time the sound that you guys were making was. Uh, Thank it, you. Oh mm -hmm. no, definitely. Um, you know, I I think I think in general that sort of you know subgenre of music is just now sort of like catching on. You see you see bands like. Um, my bloody Valentine, you know, um, blow up, you know, years, decades after after they've performed. Slow dive, reuniting and, yeah. and making music, you know, and it's 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 really interesting to see these bands, you know, come together and and the fact that the music isn't lost on anyone. It it really speaks um, volumes just to the listenership out there too, and 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 the variety that that people um enjoy um so i, I yeah. kind of wanted to, to dive in a little bit um because I, I i after speaking with Ilya about some of um the stuff he sent me over um you know a few a few articles here and there about you guys and and um mm -hmm. it got me it got me um first of all i think that the history of your band is so interesting as well um because mm -hmm. you guys started off like with like a i feel like some sort of velvet underground type of vibe like so i i kind of wanted to know what what the deal was with um when you guys found a, um, a label and this is gonna go back you know a few decades to the 90s if you don't mind to flashback but i kind of wanted to know a little bit about this um obscure label that that you guys wound up working with and um sure. yeah um it's really an honor that you mentioned velvet underground that's really cool um well we actually started with a bunch of labels there was, there was a woman a young woman who went to harvard and you know uh the bass player was actually i was a dj at w one of the i didn't remember the name of the station <laughs> really tiny radio station at uh, UMass, it's bad that I can't remember. It was W-O-C-H. And Dave, the drummer, was at WMUA, which is an awesome station. I mean, he has this amazing music collection. And then Carl was, of course, he was a DJ on WZBC that helped us a lot. Although, not to say, just because there's a DJ there that they're going to play you, sometimes it kind of has the opposite effect. People are like, no, I'm going to avoid that. But um, so we all were kind of like, super into music um and anyway so one of carl's networks was people in his network was a young woman who was really into she was a harvard student so she put out our a single for us um trying to think what else i know there were, i feel like there were other labels maybe not and then <clears throat> what happened was we would get attention so there was this guy clifford stoltz he's a, a local designer really prominent uh, design firm in the Boston area. Um, he got wind of us somehow. And, oh, actually, I know how, because we were friends with a bunch of people, fans of ours were 
friends of theirs probably worked for him or something. And then we ended up on this kind of more goth compilation um, called, I think it was called Anon. There was one called Anon and there was one called Nye. There was this label called Castle Von Bueller Records. And that's a really cool story. Um, amazing um, woman, uh, Cynthia Von Bueller. She's, an, she's kind of a Renaissance woman, um, still doing amazing stuff, uh, living in Alston. They lived in this big purple house. Everybody called it the castle. And her and her husband would have these great parties. Um, and it wasn't necessarily our scene, but we kind of didn't really fit into any scene. So we fit into lots of scenes. So she had this, um, goth, I would say mostly goth label, but, you know, um, electronica, there's a lot of different things on it. And somehow, I think Turkish Delight, I'm not sure. Now I'm getting confused because I think maybe it was Betwixt that my second band that was on her label, but she started to see um, us play live. And one day I was dressed as a fairy. I would just wear the most random things at shows. Sometimes things I picked up in the trash pretty much. And I had this costume. My friend um, worked at a store and I would borrow, quote unquote, borrow things from the store. And I had this fairy costume. <coughs> And I think Cynthia really, she kind of, to this day, she really embraces, uh, she lives in New York City now. She said to me the other day, I like your Facebook post. It's different. Everything's the same. So I think she really, you know, always is embracing something new and different, which I really think is cool. So she saw me, she saw the band, she's like, this is very different. And so she and her husband decided to sign us and she became our de facto manager which was amazing because we got on a CMJ compilation. We played CMJ, which was huge. Sweeter Kinney was like, you know, playing that year. It was amazing. So that's kind of how we, I, she's like, would you like to be signed? And I was like, are you kidding? Yes. <laughs> so we started having meetings and she worked very closely with Clifford Stoltz design. So they did the design of the album. And looking back, I have all my archives and, I'm still amazed by all the amazing stuff that they did for us. Um, I think, you know, it probably, unfortunately, it takes a ton of money and just, you know, ridiculous. I mean, what they did times 30 or 300, I mean, they did a lot for us. You know, like I said, she got us shows. She got us, they got us some press. We were in alternative press. I mean, we got some pretty amazing on a CMJ compilation, I think I already mentioned, but so we got this tiny little band, a bunch of nobody suddenly got like all this attention, um, random things like somehow, um, I think Steve Shelley or, and then Thurston Moore heard about us. And then he asked us to play open for them in New York City. Um, so, I mean, you know, through the grapevine back in the old days before the internet, you know, we were literally just mailing things out to people and little by little um there was some people were spreading the word about us so that's kind of how we got the label and got and got on that label for i, I think our first album Tommy so so that story is uh really cool i mean i i think it's really fascinating because you know whenever you hear about uh genre sort of culminating at some point in time you always hear about it happening happening around like some sort of gathering or party um and yeah the fact the fact that these sort of things were happening with like you know i i think that that is just really interesting and it, it really speaks to how different um things were but how 
you know, certain traditions sort of carried over, I guess, in that sense, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like you, could, you yeah. could go back, you could go back to like, um, you could go back to the seventies and say that technically like, you know, when Malcolm McLaren met all those people at the Sex Pistols mm-hmm. concert, they basically started punk music. They, um, you know, uh, yeah, did, I love you know. who the audience in the audience that like a sex pistol show that had 15 people and it was like people from the classroom in the audience. I love those stories. Yeah, the Buzzcock started that night. There was there were so many there were so many bands that came out of that one show, which is so yeah. crazy. It's just crazy to think about. So it's it's really it's really fantastic to hear stories like that. Um, and I really appreciate yeah, you. Yeah, we were lucky. Uh, we were very lucky, and I think at the time. You know, I actually apologized on Facebook a couple of weeks ago because I was looking at all the work that Cynthia did for us. And like, wow, you forget, you know, how much work that was. And and I was like, I always tried to be nice, but I think sometimes my band was a little bit kind of aloof. You know, we were kind of into our own thing. And she was like, yeah, you guys were kind of snotty. But I, I never, you know, I never felt like I was quote unquote snotty, but it's funny how you come off to people. So, but yeah, I mean, it was, I mean, it was a different scene, too. So she was goth. She had a bunch of her own bands. She was doing a lot of stuff. So by the same token, I would notice that when people were helping us, they were often, I mean, it was kind of taking from us as well. Like, it makes sense. Like, in business, it's a lot of partnerships. So the labels that would help us, they often, they always had their own bands. And they would promote their own bands around us. It never detract. It rarely would detract from promoting us, but it always kind of like how we tried to help each other, and sometimes we didn't help. <laughs> you know, like I said, that snotty attitude. I think I just wish sometimes I was a little bit more grateful to people. But I was in my own world in my early twenties. I wasn't really business professional back then, you know. <laughs> so, because I wish I was more so. Definitely. So, um. So speaking to the reissues and everything like that, um, how do you feel about the sort of um, being, you know, sort of refound by by new, new, um, you know, listeners and and uh, and like a sort of new generation of of people? Well, the effect has just been profound. Um, I mean, I was really, I quit music in 2007. I was really depressed. And I was just like, I'm not going near music ever again. It's just too stressful, too much money, it's too much work. It's too depressing, you know. Um, So when all this stuff started happening, I was like, okay. And then the band actually, Church Delight was like, well, let's do a reunion. I was like, no way. Like, I can't see myself on a stage. I just don't look the same. I don't feel the same. I haven't sung these songs in 20 years. So I really had to dig deep. And I was like, actually, the music is good. I still listen to it sometimes. I still, you know, the music is still me, which is great, because that's really difficult. Like, imagine if you're doing music, and then 20 years later, you don't agree with anything you did. So it's actually still me. So after the show, like before the show, I was a nervous wreck. I'm like, I don't want to do this. But after the show, it was like, okay, this isn't so bad. Let's let's play more shows. So then the label based in the UK, they're like, they totally, we could have totally booked a tour in in the UK. I mean, we could have gone all over, but we literally just didn't have the money to do it. You know, the they're like, the, the guitarist is like, well, I would need $1,000 for childcare. I would need this. I would need that. 
and me and the bass player are like, well, we have the money to fly over. We don't have kids, you know, but we don't have the money to give them the thousand dollars for childcare and to pay for their airfare. And the label certainly doesn't have all that. So, you know, I, I really, I literally would have just like, if someone had handed me a piece of paper and said, okay, work for, you know, $5 an hour and be a musician for the next 10 years of your life, I would have given up everything. <laughs> like my job was, I try, you know, I quit music and I've, I've been able to quit music cold turkey and see what it's like to not do music for 13 years. And I'm like, yeah, music isn't, I could do it again. <laughs> so, so anyway, um, so it was awesome. Like, so I started being like, suddenly all the people used to email me and be like, Leah, would you like to collaborate with me? And I'd be like, no way. Now I'm like, yeah, I was just emailing everyone I know. Like, I would love to collaborate with you. Let's read, let's do Turkish Delight material. Let's do Beatrix material. I'm going to put out a solo album. Let's do this. And I'm like crazy. And then coronavirus happened. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know I've, I've got some um, software so I can actually create and like do my own stuff. But I'm not a musician. I'm a vocalist and I'm a songwriter. So it's, it's a weird kind of place to be. So and suddenly everyone kind of dropped off the face of the earth. And I know why, because a lot of them have kids. They have their hubbies and their wives or whatever, home kids 24 hours a day working or not, or out of work, which is even more stressful, way more stressful. So everybody's just like, no one's really creating. And I created all this stuff in January and I'm like ready to go. But anyway, it was very profound. So having suddenly saying, suddenly people interested in my music again. And I think as an artist, I'm not afraid to admit recognition. I don't care if it's a teeny tiny like on Facebook and thank you for all the likes you've given, by the way. But a little like on Facebook, it's like, it's amazing. And I think the balance of when you don't get those likes, you know, kind of not worrying about that, it's really hard and working on that and working on, okay, how can I have the, take the highs and not really want in in the lows, how can I just get rid of the lows? Like don't have any more lows, but take those highs. And you know, those highs of creating, of making people happy with your music, you know, that's great. And I'm really I'm really grateful to Reckless Yes, to iHeartNoise, and to all the labels who originally um helped me, um, whether it was Captain Von Bueller, um or um Arch Enemy Records. I mean you know, it's invaluable. Any anybody who's helped me, like I'm so grateful. But anyway, that's a long answer. <laughs> so. No, definitely. Um, yeah. So I definitely wanted to know a little bit more. Um, you know, I, I guess to that uh, extent, if you are um, in some ways still making music, um, you know, beyond just you know. I mean, I don't know. I, it, it, you know, it is. Was it the COVID that that maybe sparked you to to start writing some stuff, or or um, ha have you been working on stuff in, in the? Yeah, no. Um, I started writing like almost immediately. I'm say immediately, but I started writing a bunch of stuff in December and January, and so COVID kind of brought it to a halt a little bit. Um, because I think you kind of need some alone time, which I don't necessarily have right now. But, um, and I, I collaborate with people and all the people I collaborate on are all kind of in their whatever. They're all kind of really freaking out right now about everything. But um, I have like a solo album in the works and I think we have a Turkish Delight song and probably some Beatrix material in the works. Um, I mean, money is gonna become an issue suddenly cause like you wanna go into a studio and get it produced and stuff. But 
I definitely have like tons of material. I, you know, if I were a guitarist or piano player, I'm, I'm just, I quit piano when I was probably eight years old. So I have like five years of piano, <laughs> but um, if I, if I were like a decent piano player, the solo album would probably, I'd be going to the studio the minute that they opened, you know, the doors. Um, but I do have, a, I am definitely working on music now and I definitely have some in the works. That's awesome. That's great to hear um, because, you know, uh, like I said, you know, the whole um, creative, uh, I, I mean, the whole creative process definitely um, was, was impacted by this, uh, uh, COVID. And um, I, I think, you know, I think we're going to see a lot more art come out of it. Um, and in the end, uh, which is really great, I think. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, but yeah. Um, so I kind of wanted to know, um, you know, just a little bit more about how you got connected with Ilya and um, Thor and, and working with them and, and I Heart Noise and um, how it was that they came to find you or, or you came to find them or how it was, um, you know, that um, they came to reissue your music. Mm -hmm. Sure, sure. Well, what happened was Carl, um, the bass player of Turkish Delight, he, you know, had taken time off some time off from music. Um, just as an example, Dave, the drummer, he lives up in Canada now. He does music occasionally, but it's more of a hobby, I think. And Daryl, the guitar player, he's been doing music full time nonstop. So he's still like first and foremost a musician. You can find his stuff, um, Daryl Blood on Bandcamp, Instagram. There's a ton of albums out. But Carl, he'd given up music for a long time, probably 20 years or 15 years, I don't know he started playing again and he pulled out a lot of his older material from when he had been in bands in the eighties, late eighties, early nineties. Um, and so he was kind of, I wouldn't say it was a solo, but he did like a band, he's doing a band called Gull Boy. Um, so he's playing out a lot. So he's out in the clubs and he's out in Boston, Cambridge, Somerville, and ran into Thor, who is part of I Heart Noise. And I guess the conversation started about Turkish Delight and then Carl emailed all of us and he was like, would you mind if, you know, Thor reissued? They were starting up with this idea of reissues and cassettes and set label. And I was like, Carl was like, well, he was wondering if you'd mind. I'm like, are you kidding? This is awesome. We were all so excited. Um, and Thor has memories of being like, I think it was 15 years old or something in Somerville at the Somerville Theater. Turkish Delight had played a golf show. And I think we really broadened and opened his mind to like what different types of music could be. Cause we didn't, like I said before, we didn't really fit into the golf genre, but we definitely had some darker elements like bands like the Swans or something. Um, so I guess he was just spellbound by his store as a 15 year old or however old he was, he was spellbound by seeing us in the mid nineties at this huge golf fest. So he still, you know, was a big fan. He'd actually followed my music, was actually a fan of my mid-2000s band, The Glass Set, which was, um, I would say, the closest thing I've ever come to pop, but it was more shoegazy. Um, I still love that band as well. But he, he was really into that. And he, I guess he had put some Turks Delight and some, maybe The Glass Set on some, they, they do so much blogging with iHeart Noise. So we'd done some, like, compilation um you know, tapes 
um, mixtape. And so anyway, after him saying, would you like to reissue the tape? I mean, it was just amazing. And I'm like, well, I guess I have to be on social media because I wasn't on Facebook for his music. I wasn't on Twitter for music. I wasn't on any of these things. And I came to Twitter like two years later and I'm still seeing, after all this, I'm still seeing so many tweets, which is great. Um, but, so yeah, so then we decided to have this show, this reunion show, which took a little while, but it was cool because I came to this show, I, like I mentioned, I wasn't really thrilled about doing it. I was mortified. I'm like, oh, this is going to be horrible. And, but I, I guess in my heart, I had all this love for like the labels. I had this heart, this love. Oh, another label. I almost forgot. Custom Made Music. Again, a fan from the mid-90s who had seen us play um, in southeastern part of the United States and played with us, maybe booked some of our shows. He put out all of our material. Like, it was amazing. Like, all our random live material. It was like a four, two cassette set, I think, of like radio shows and live stuff. Really cool. Um, so he decided he, so we had this just smorgasbord of like labels. We had custom made music. We had I Heart Noise. And I just had, and you know, just people were still blogging about my music, even though I had quit for so long. A woman named Andrea Feldman, who has this amazing um, blog. So I, I was just feeling all this love. I'm like, well, I don't feel confident. I don't want to get on stage. I'm terrified. But all these amazing people are like, done this stuff so I feel like I I they I owe to these people you know and another thing like so much has changed with with um you know with the press and stuff I mean there's no more Boston Phoenix there's no more all these uh, this press we used to work really hard to get um we're not really getting any you know it was impossible I tried to get press but thanks to I mean it could have been a disaster there could have been like two people there but I think thanks to like iHeartNoise, they just promoted the heck out of it. Literally were harassing people on Twitter. You need to come to this show like every day, every hour of the day. Like if you like this kind of music or if you've ever heard of them, you need to come. And it was like amazing. I mean, they were like a machine. So anyway, um, yeah, so, so the whole idea of like really just um, wanting to give thanks to all these people who have done stuff. Um, kind of helped me get through like my fear of performing again and made the show like really special. Sorry, did I go on a tangent just now? And um, did I totally just go on a tangent? Sorry. No, no, you, you totally, no, no, it's totally but cool. I um, do that. Like I totally will talk like what, and I'll forget what I was doing. So. <laughs> no, no, that's, believe me, that's part of this, this show. Uh, I, I, I want it to go off, off, on you know what I mean wherever it goes that's the, yeah the oh and sorry to, so Andrew's blog is called Warped Reality I hate to not mention things but her no, no, blog, def- blog is definitely. called Warped Reality it's amazing and she's been doing it for quite some time and she's like you she interviews like a lot of really amazing artists so and, and um that was actually one of the stories that was um provided to me um prior to calling you up and and talking to you and um so it 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 really was a an interesting story. Um, certain aspects, like I said, you know, really popped out to me. Um, and um, after talking to Ilya about you know certain things, I like I said, I th- I thought that this is some this is the type of thing that you wouldn't necessarily hear about. Um, 
maybe wouldn't necessarily get like a banned biopic, but it definitely should because <laughs> it's really interesting how you guys came together um, and all cool. the background behind it. Well, and I, I also love that. My Carl's, uh, the bass player's nephew took some really cool video of us back in the day. And so he actually followed us um, for this reunion. The warts and all, like he's followed us um, to our rehearsals. <laughs> I'm like afraid to see it. Like, so, you know, literally four people haven't gotten together, seen each other in almost 20 years. And so he videotaped, uh, not videotaped, he filmed all of our um, rehearsals and then the show. So, I mean, I think it's a budget issue. He's a full-time documentary filmmaker. He's pretty busy. But if I had, like, $10,000, I'd just be like, here you go, $10,000, and please, you know, do this film. Um, because it's, it could be pretty cool, like, to kind of contrast, like, the film from um, the mid-late 90s to, to now and see, like, how suddenly the four of us started to click again, like it was old time, you know? Definitely. It's definitely very interesting, especially um... – considering all the bands that um, came and went, um, all the bands that, that fell onto hard times and, and couldn't pull themselves back together. You know what I mean? Everybody hits the rocks at some point, but it's, it's a matter of, you know, pulling the ship back together. And, and, you know, if everybody's on board, you know, and it works, it, you know, there's, you know, it's, it's really cool to see something like that happen again. And especially for people who have memories of seeing the band in the nineties or, or, or um, you know, for them, I'm sure it's an even more special occasion. Um, yeah. I wish, I wish I had a way to get the word out to more people back like in 2000, late 2018 or summer 2018. I think, it's really hard. Like a lot of people just don't live in the area anymore, but the people who did, unfortunately, I'm still getting people who are like, Oh, you guys should do a reunion. I'm like, well, we actually did, <laughs> but you know, people don't, it was really hard to get the word out, you know, unless you like this huge media budget, but whatever. It's so cool. I mean, I'd totally be up for another reunion. We've all talked about it. Um, money's definitely not even a reunion. I mean, we're still writing, we're trying to write songs right now. Um, That's awesome. It comes with a little bit of a halt. It's it's really easy to do actually. The songwriting was never hard for me. It's all the other stuff, you know. Right, right. No, definitely. Um, so with our time winding down, unfortunately, uh, I'm limited on on the amount of time of our phone call. But um, sure. Just wanted to um ask you if you had any um anybody you wanted to shout out or or give you know give a you know a little uh, nod to or anybody you know you wanted to mention thank you no i think i did i think i got everybody all the labels that have helped us all the people in the band and in the bands um okay actually <laughs> we are actually going to do my second band is called betwixt and um talk about like this kind of reunion fever um the guitar player tom is um going to re-release our second album on vinyl so he's kind of like really into it. And so that's exciting. So in early October, we're going to be playing a reunion show in at one salons in Somerville, knock on wood, you know, all, everything's working and we can play out again, but uh, that's the plan. So anybody who's, who's listening and, and is a fan of, of Leah Callahan or Turkish light or Betwixt, um, definitely 
um, check that out. It should be fun. It's a really cool little space. I haven't been to the Once Lounge. I tried to go, but it was not open. But I guess they have like Ms. Pac-Man and like games and stuff. So it should actually be really fun. And it's an early show too, which is cool because so many of my friends are like, I don't go out after 11. <laughs> so in Boston. So that'll be really nice early show. It'll be a weekend. So you can get in, get home, have your child care. You're all set. So anyway, that's the only plug I have. Oh, that's awesome. Um, yeah, so I just wanted to thank you again for um, agreeing to come on and, and taking the time to, to talk with me. Thanks very much for having me, and I, I look forward no to uh, hearing this and also look forward to keeping in touch. Definitely. Definitely. I would love to, I would love to um, you know, I'd love to catch a Turkish Delight show uh, if, if you guys are ever uh, around New York way. Well, we'll be, I'll be pestering you on Facebook if that happens. Okay, great. No, perfect. Do it. <laughs>